This is Leisha Holmes and I'm your host on the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast brought to you by Hoxo Media. And for any of my fellow cohort from the 2020 Personal Branding Academy with Hoxo, this will be a very familiar face and voice to you. This is a wonderful person that I want to share with my um, audience. And this is Lindsay Hartland, who is the owner of Hannison Green. And we both got to know each other very well over a three month period. And thank you for joining us today, Lindsay. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm very good. Thank you. How are you? I am great. And I'm like I said, I'm really excited to introduce you to our audience. And I think it's a topic that a lot of people will sit up and really pay attention to because we're going to talk today about your market. But before we do that, tell us a little bit about how Hannison Green came about. Let's put some context around it. Okay. Well, Hannison Green is actually six months old this week. Six months and what day is it? Thursday, um, three days, six months and three days old. Um, so we were established early September last year. Uh, prior to that, I'd been in the corporate world. I worked for S3 um, for around about 18 years. Gosh. And then right in the middle of the pandemic, I decided to set up my own recruitment business, as you do. Um, and a lot of thought went into that, obviously. And um, the name, you and I have spoken about this previously, how the name um, came about. Um, but it was quite a relatively easy decision in the end in terms of how we set the business up, um, the demographic, the geography, um, the level of recruitment we were going to go after. And yeah, it's been a really good, it's been a really good first six months, I must say. Well, that's wonderful to hear. And obviously setting up a business in a pandemic is not for the faint hearted, that's for sure. So just give us an idea of what does Hannison Green actually do? What's your market? So our market is MedTech. Okay. Uh, and it's a very specific part of medtech called neuromodulation okay um, we are servicing primarily it's not exclusively but primarily the us market nicely done there lindsay so what we're talking about today is what is highly regarded and relatively speaking the holy grail for recruitment which is the united states why is that yeah. why is it seen as this holy grail right now yeah, it's, it, it's interesting. There's a big spotlight on the US at the moment. Um, the US has always been there. We've always been able to hire into the US as UK recruitment companies. But I think I've, I've seen it since I set my business up. There's an incredible amount of excitement about making that transition from being a recruit based in the UK um, to moving across the water, not physically, but servicing it from the UK. It, in reality, it's incredibly straightforward. It's incredibly straightforward. And I actually think COVID has actually made it even more straightforward. Okay. Because we're living in this virtual world now. Yep, we are. Where we, don't, we don't need face-to-face -face interactions. The way that you and I are interacting now is yep. the absolute norm. And you and I have commented and written quite a lot of posts on this on, on LinkedIn. It, it's not going to go away. Uh, this is the way that we're doing business now. So whether they're... Uh, across the Atlantic or whether they're, you know, 50 miles down the road, it, it's kind of irrelevant now. It's, are you offering a relevant service to a part of the market that yeah. needs it? And it, it, it's as simple as that. It, and it doesn't matter. And like you say, there couldn't be a better time to think about that. If you're, you're, you know, your market and your sector is applicable to the American market, then that's what you should be thinking about. So what is the opportunity? I mean, is it sector specific, do you think? Are there certain recruiters that, because, you know, our audience is recruiters, effectively, and that's aspiring leaders, leaders of businesses. 
why should you be thinking about America in terms of your market? What what particular areas do you think it would apply to? Um, well, I, I think before before we get into the market stuff, if you, if you talk about it holistically, um, this is where what I what I'll say to you now, you, you'll listen to that and you'll think it's just a no brainer to work the US. So our tiny little country here has <laughs> got forty thousand recruiters operating in it. Okay, got a, population, got a population of about sixty million, right? In the US, there's about 20,000 recruiters. Gosh. And they've got a population of about 320 million. Oh, wow. So that, 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 that kind of puts it into context here. And it, part, part of the reasoning for my decision, really, I've been recruited in the UK for so long now. Um, it's very difficult to be a recruiter in the UK. Mm. It's a challenging job anyway, but I think we've reached the point now where I don't think it's got much respect in okay. the UK. Why did you get that? It's just so saturated. They mm. say it's incredibly saturated yeah. to the point where um, you, anybody can open a recruitment business, right? It's not regulated. You don't need any recruitment experience. You don't need a track record in recruitment. You don't need to be operating at a certain level or, like I said, have that track record. You could have no recruitment experience whatsoever, set up a recruitment company, nice flash, flash website, create the impression that you've got loads of experience and you're going to give a wonderful service. More often than not, that's not the case. And to the point where clients across the UK, they're just getting bombarded by recruiters yeah. day in, day out. To the, and, and to the point where I think most candidates or clients in the UK have experienced a pretty bad service from a recruiter. Mm. Um, and then you try and build a relationship with that person. And, you know, I've got 18 years experience. I'm not saying I'm the best recruiter in the world, but I think that deserves a little bit of respect. It um, does, but you're right. To make yourself you don't get, out, get it. No. And the perception is that I think I'll start with the benchmark is actually really pretty low, isn't it? So is, is the perception different in the States then? Is it regarded as a more professional sector? Absolutely. Right. Yeah, okay. I, I think you, um, I mean, I've, I've chosen to go in a space where the, the clients that I'm contacting and trying to build a relationship with are startup companies. So I'm specifically working in a niche part of medtech. The client that I'm going after is uh, in the startup world. So they're either pre-commercial, probably about anything from up to two years pre-commercial to probably having a handful of products in the market, but they're on a fast growth trajectory. Yeah. So I get to deal with the CEOs. Um, so part of it is the companies that you choose to go after, because I could go after big med tech companies and I'd probably have to deal with a, an internal recruiter. Same On as the PSL. UK. Yeah. yeah no PSL, um, you know, no influence. You don't really get the opportunity to do your job. And maybe that's where you get a lack of respect because you might have a 23 or 24 year old mm. that in this country would often be a failed recruiter yeah. or an ex recruiter that's yeah. gone to the other side of the table for yeah. maybe an easier gig. Yeah. Um, and they're potentially a little bit bitter and they just don't give you that level of respect. So I purposely, so I get to deal with CEOs. I get to deal with founders, CEOs of businesses that the book stops with them and they will give you the respect that you, that you warrant, I would say is the Absolutely. best word. You need to, the thing with operating in America, it's like anything, it's no different to over here in some sense, but they will demand that you know what you're talking about. And they will well you're, uh, you're an expert in your, in your space yeah and, and but the thing is everything that you're saying should be how we operate over here actually and i think that's the caveat isn't it that we're talking very specifically about america today but 
just pause and think about how you operate now you should you should be that person of influence that's what recruitment should be about so i think it's uh indicative that that the fact that you know america regards our profession as a professional services sector whereas in the uk recruitment even though it's multi-billion pound sector creating you know how many millions of jobs a year we're still not regarded in that way so it's interesting isn't it we almost need to come back to that one day so in terms of the actual in terms of the opportunity then if people are are considering this and we as you know we as rector i think i said to you off camera we get a lot of our clients either already starting to launch or thinking about launching into into america what would your sort of words of maybe caution be or what would your advice be in terms of things like how you invoice what's the tax implications in terms of how can you place people sponsorship of people that you place i mean what are the there's so many intricacies i guess what what do people need to know we interrupt this episode of the recruiters recruitment podcast to bring you a message from our wonderful sponsors over at hoxo media now recruitment agencies invest heavily in linkedin licenses because ultimately it's where we're all at Given that we spend an average one to two hours a day on our phones, the rest of the time is spent scrolling through LinkedIn, looking for unicorn candidates and target clients. Now, if we look at the recruitment training programs that are available, they tend to be focused around outbound phone sales and leadership skills. So how do you, our listener, maximize the huge investment of time and money that is spent on LinkedIn? Well, this is where Hoxo Media is solving this problem for hundreds of recruitment agencies, and we want to share this message with you. Their academy program allows recruiters across the globe being coached in how to optimize their LinkedIn profile, creating daily habits for building out that unbelievable audience, that target audience, where they're producing their own valuable content that engages the right people and ultimately drives content into inbound sales conversations. As I mentioned, they're working with hundreds of recruitment agencies and there are over 300 recruiters every month enrolling on the academy, which enables them to increase their knowledge in how to basically develop the best content and maximize the results from LinkedIn. And to be honest with you, the testimonies have been absolutely incredible. So by enrolling in the academy with just one single payment, you can train your entire business for 12 months, which is why I'm so excited to share this message with you, our listener. So if you're a traditional recruiter like me and you're an owner of a business or you've got teams working for you who rely on outbound calls to attract clients and candidates, then really you do need to listen to this message and get in touch. You might find that you are using LinkedIn, but perhaps just for sharing jobs on there and you struggle generally for um, original content ideas and ultimately the confidence to actually know what is going to be good content for driving that inbound business. So I would love you to speak to Hoxo Media. Drop me a DM either on the link on this message on this episode or send me a WhatsApp and I can give you more information on how your agency can benefit from joining this programme. Enjoy the rest of the episode. Um, well, I think first and foremost, you, you need to be, and I'll, I'll I'll give a bit of feedback on my experience because I didn't do this, so I'm gonna I'm gonna be a bit of a hypocrite here. But I'd say, um, be really clear on what your niche part of the market is. Okay. Because because it's so vast, you know, each state is about the size of our country. The, the, oh, it, wow. it's 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 a it's massive and they're all governed by their own laws which is another thing you don't need to make a bit so much of a big deal about that in my 
in my opinion. But be clear because it's vast. Because in my space, uh, med tech, forty uh, percent of the global med tech market is the US. Wow, massive. Mm. So I actually um, went in there and I was going to tackle it state by state. This was my strategy to begin with. Right. I was going to do the whole of med tech <laughs> um, at a senior level and I was going to do state by state, get a name in there. So I started with Florida because it was the second or third largest med tech population in the US and it was East Coast. So it's five hour difference, yeah. slightly better for the lifestyle. And within a week or two, I realized that wasn't the best strategy. You need to you, you need to have a particular part of the market that you're going to be an expert in. So I cover the whole of the US now, but a very, very niche part within that. Um, and depending on what level you go in, and, and, and it needs to be a growth market. Well, it doesn't have to be, but uh, the market that I operate in is a, is a growth market, massive innovation. The technology is just flying. Um Lots of disruptive technology coming to market. Um, I've put myself in a senior level, VP and C level. That's all I do. But I'm incredibly candidate focused. And this is what I would recommend doing. You've got to be clear on what your tactics are. Okay. And I've I've chosen to go after the candidates rather than the clients. Yeah. Um, which has always made sense to me throughout my recruitment career. So okay. I'll build I'll build relationships with um senior candidates that are passive yeah um, they're not active on the market they've kind of got half an eye on the market and then i what at the point i established trust with them then i'll that I'll, I'll just take them to market very pinpointed um and approach incredibly relevant companies on their behalf yeah and set up the real value of that candidate and do you know what i've been surprised by how easy it's been to get in with some companies don't tell everybody um no i love that i love that because that's exactly how we position ourselves in rectorec we've always been reverse search we say we get a candidate we take them to market not every recruitment company sees the value in that but i think that everyone should do that in a talent short market it's a better yeah, it's a better experience for the hiring company because it means then you've understood what their candidates drivers are their experience their skills they're moving for the right reasons. They tend to be more exclusive. So your time spent to hire will be much more valuable than putting an advert out there. I just, I've, I've always thought if recruitment, if everybody did that in recruitment, we would be that profession that you're talking about. Definitely. And here's here's one of the big, big, big selling points if you're going to consider doing perm in the US. So um, there's, um, there's a, an employment kind of, law contractual system called at will in okay. america uh-huh. which it dates back to the i did a bit of research on this I, I obviously knew what it was but i did a bit of research ahead of today to look at the history of it but it dates back to the 19th century century it's very traditional okay. very old school but but american most states have kind of stuck with it and it means um so you can picture it you watch a film and you see these people where they cardboard boxes one minute they're working for a company and then they're out the door that applies to most people in America, even C-suite. Wow. So it's called at will. So uh, uh, I think there's only one state that that doesn't use at will. So what it means is that an employer at will, i.e. in the moment, can terminate anybody's employment without really giving a reason. Wow. No so protection. No protection. That could be a chief executive. It could be a VP. It could be whatever the case. But it works both way round, both ways round. Okay. 
So you could no. walk out, you could resign at, at, at will without giving any notice. 100%, yeah. With, with, no, with no consequence whatsoever. Um, now, in, in, in reality, because we're working in a world now where, you know, people, well, there's always been relationships. You'll have a relationship with your boss or you'll have a relationship with somebody that you want to terminate from your business at will. Um, it's quite rare that that actually happens as in like that. But it'll be like two weeks, three weeks. It'll be they'll give them just enough time to kind of cover for their role, and then they're gone. Gosh, are there not tribunals everywhere? Like no, it, it won't. Stand, it won't stand up in a in, in a court of law. It'll just get. It won't even make it to court because it's just accepted. Gosh, I'm really surprised actually. Well, there you go. That's a massive piece of advice if you're planning on doing this. So where does that leave you with your rebates? Do you have a uh, your rebate to make sure that that doesn't then apply? To your fee? Uh, no, no, because in reality, because they've been working with this for donkey's years, mm. it's kind of part. Of it. It's ex it's accepted. It's part of it, but it doesn't mean to say that people are hired and fired quickly. Yeah, exactly. Gosh, they, they could somebody could be with the company ten years and then they decided, you know what, we want to move this company in a different direction. Your face doesn't fit anymore. Off you go. Um, well, I really hope we don't follow suit. I have to say, I hope we protect our right and as much as long drawn out notice periods are an absolute pain in the bum for any recruiter that has to sort of you know position themselves next to their candidate all the way through i think i'd rather that scenario than the at will and what about what about things like invoicing do we need to have a UK uh, company here to invoice or can we invoice from uk to america really straightforward so you just invoice um as you normally would but if if you're vat registered you don't need to apply vat okay um there's different scenarios but if you if you filled a job in America from the UK, yeah, and you relocated somebody from the UK to, to to fulfill that job in the US, you might have to apply VAT. Then I think there's some kind of blurred lines there, but but you you probably wouldn't do that very often. What you'd probably do is you'd work with a US company, find yeah. a US person, marry them together. Yeah. So you don't you don't charge VAT in that instance. Right. Okay. Um, some companies will set up the VAT straight away. I chose to do that, but so you don't you don't charge VAT. Um, you you need to be aware of uh, there's a W eight situation. There's a form called a W eight. Okay. Um, which it verifies to the IRS your country of residence. Okay. So it and some companies when you invoice them will ask for that. They'll ask okay. for a verification that you are actually based in the UK. Okay. Otherwise, if you don't provide that as a chance, they could withhold their mm. local sales tax. Okay. Uh, but that's really the, the only risk, but it's, yeah. it's just very, very straightforward. But again, if it's straightforward, then that's amazing, amazing advice. So where's next? Where's next for Hannison Green after America? Are you planning to launch? If, you, if you're in MedTech, are you looking at places like Israel? Because that's at the forefront of it, isn't it? Um. Wouldn't, wouldn't say forefront, but it's um it's 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 in well if you compare it to the America it's not the forefront but yeah. but um, no Israel's very very exciting there's a huge amount of innovation there there's lots of investors there there's lots of incubator startup companies um, in fact what what you see is a lot of companies will start up and grow and reach um, maybe a year or two before commercialization and then they'll migrate the business to the US yeah. I've seen because that happen. I've seen that happen. My sister's based in Tel Aviv, so let's see. Let's see whether I can help you on that. Well, it's been a, an absolute joy to have you on today, and I hope that 
your future is as bright as that beautiful blue wall for anyone that's watching on YouTube. Um, I do actually think Hamilton Green could actually have an interior design section. And I'm sure that any of my cohort from agree. <laughs> we, we did a little quiz, little prize giving at the end of our academy. And I think you won the most stylish background, didn't you? I think I was joint winner. Joint. Uh, with was it was it was it Greg? It was Greg was it? with the Sydney start skyline. So given well, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just beautiful. So definitely, that's an ulterior um, and another revenue stream for you if you decide to give up on recruitment. But thank you so much for joining me today. I knew it'd be good fun, and it's been a pleasure to see you again. You take care. Take care. Bye, Bye. Alicia. Bye.